How is everybody doing today? Welcome back to another episode of The Banker Next Door. I am your host, Dr. Joe Berquist. Uh, so today I'm bringing you another episode in the crypto series, and I wanted to talk about this, this very interesting case that happened at um, Heartland Tri-State Bank. Uh, so this was actually the fifth bank that failed last year in 2023. And um, so if I can just recap real quick. So there were uh, four banks that maybe failed, uh, three banks in March, one bank in April. And then this bank basically failed around early, kind of late May, early June of last year. What I found interesting about this case is that there was very little information that came out about this bank at the time. And it was kind of very mysterious like it was it was a smaller bank i think it was maybe a little over uh maybe a hundred million in, in total assets so it was a very small bank out in kansas um but it got closed kind of very quietly and and basically and then some of the details got leaked out and it was like oh there might have been uh some kind of shenanigans going on and then then it was leaked out that oh the ceo fell into some kind of a crypto scam um, and now we've gotten more details that have leaked out. But just to recap, so you had um, Silvergate Bank failed in the beginning of March, uh, followed very, followed two days later by Signature Bank. I'm sorry, Silicon Valley Bank two days later, followed two days after that by Signature Bank in New York, uh, followed uh, just a few weeks after that by uh, Republic First Bank. Um, also in California with uh, with uh, uh, Silicon Valley. But I'm sorry, there's so many S's trying to keep all these S's straight. Um, so you had those four banks. And if you watch some of my previous episodes, so in um, in episode number in the, of the crypto series, episode number three, I talk about the crypto collapse of 2022 and basically how that led directly into the banking crisis in the beginning of 2023 which is episode four and i talk about how you know all of the crypto deposits got sucked out of these banks and that basically silvergate bank was the primary bank uh they operated something called the sen network the silvergate exchange network sen uh where all of the crypto money was flowing directly through this main i mean you could consider it kind of like the main vein the main highway of how crypto was coming in and out of the banking system and then silicon valley bank and signature bank were their two primary backup crypto banks so these were the three primary crypto banks in the country that were doing all this business with the crypto companies and they got sucked into this whole thing so my theory of the case is that while these banks did have other underlying issues that are still plaguing the banking uh industry to some extent today um the the primary basically the the gasoline that was the gasoline on the on the wood so to speak but the the what lit the match and caused that fire was the evaporation of the crypto deposits getting pulled out that was the that lit the fire and then the fire went ablaze and then every and then everybody popped up the hood so to speak and said oh my gosh what's going on underneath the the hood here and and boom then all the problems started and the run on the bank started and off we went so but then like i said after all that happened about a month or so later we had this quiet bank collapse and and said so so here i just want to read kind of how this thing evolved here so this was um just a couple weeks ago uh you know, Heartland Tri-State Bank borrowed $21 million from an unnamed federal home loan bank in June and July of 2023, right before it failed. 
American Banker reported, citing a report from the Office of the Inspector General for the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. The $21 million in advances were not typical for the bank, which had not made such borrowings from the federal home loan bank system in the previous uh, the three previous years. So it is very common for a local community bank or small bank to have what's called a line of credit with the federal home loan bank. And the federal home loan banking system, I'll have to do an episode all about the federal home loan banking system explaining because it's, it's kind of like the Fed, like the Fed has 12 branches around the U.S. The federal home loan banking system has a number of branches around the U.S. and they serve um, a lot of community banks in their regions, the areas that they're at. And it's very common for a bank to have a line of credit with the federal home loan bank that's in their neighborhood, so to speak. Um, so that's a very normal everyday thing that goes on. And, and banks use that line of credit as part of their liquidity strategy. Um, so that's a very normal thing. But but this bank had not, they had a line of credit, but they had not used it in three years. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, they're like, hey, we need 21 million. And like I said, I think this bank was only a little over maybe like 138 million or something like that in asset size. So it was not very big. So to for them to just run out like that and borrow 21 million, again, is highly unusual. So, so we've got this, again, kind of different stories going around here. So now this is like, a, a this is going back to like two weeks ago. So the former CEO of failed Heartland Tri-State Bank, Shane Hands, was charged of allegedly embezzling $47 million from the bank to buy cryptocurrency, Bloomberg News reported, citing court filings. Haynes, who led the Elkhart, Kansas-based bank before its collapse in July of 2023, also allegedly took money from a local church, the report said. Prosecutors allege that Haynes embezzled uh, fund through at least 11 wire transfers of bank funds between May of 2023 and July of 2023, and the loss of $47.1 million ultimately led to the bank's closure, according to the report. Haynes did not immediately respond to emails and calls seeking comments on the charges the news outlet noted. So apparently what's taking shape here is that this gentleman got stuck in some type of a crypto scam or got, got caught in some type of a crypto thing. And he basically needed money to, it sounds like he needed money to cover his bad bet. And basically he took money, he embezzled money from, you know, all these, these wire transfers, took money from a bank or took money from a church, you know, took money from the bank. And obviously he, you know, you know, pilfered a lot of this money. So now the, now the story starting to take a little bit more shape. Now I have this, and this is from uh, Emily McCormick wrote this piece uh, from Bank Director, and, and I'm just going to read this out here. So on May 30th, 2023, Heartland Tri-State Bank CEO Shane Haynes allegedly initialed a series of wire transfers, pulling $47 million out of the Kansas-based bank over a matter of weeks. The 135 million Heartland asset. So I was correct. So it was 100. It had 139 million in assets. Failed after Haynes fell victim to a crypto scam. Investigators say, promised profitable returns by the scammers. He began purchasing cryptocurrency several months earlier, apparently using his own funds, and then later money borrowed by the bank from a correspondent bank, the Federal Home Loan Bank. Or, or I'm sorry, from the correspondent bank and the federal home loan bank. I'm sorry. So there, so he's also borrowing from what's called a correspondent bank, according to the Office of the Inspector General for the Federal Reserve. How did Haynes purportedly embezzle those funds so quickly? It is, uh, you know, in its review of the failure, 
the OIG points to two root causes, internal control failures and what's called a dominant CEO. Heartland's board had policies in place that should have prevented the wires. In fact, directors approved a new policy on June 24th while the fraud was going on to lower the daily limit from $5 million to $3 million per sender. Most of Haynes' wires exceeded those limits. He could, and of course, he could not be reached for comment. The activity was unusual for Heartland. The amounts transferred were higher than the norm, and the recipient, a cryptocurrency platform, was atypical for the ag lender. They were an agricultural lender. But the bank's employees, including the unnamed chief financial officer, signed off on the transactions, according to the OIG report. Haynes was a prominent figure among Kansas bankers and was active in banking associations as well as in his local community. He joined the bank in 1993 and led an investor group that acquired the institution almost two decades later in 2011. All that and the fact that the employees were his subordinates made them reluctant to raise questions or report the suspicious activities sooner, per the report. While the circumstances are unusual, it's common for small banks to have a dominant executive. Often regulators aren't concerned, but for Heartland, the CEO's position and prominence in the community contributed to the failure, said the OIG. Heartland's board, largely farmers and local business owners, apparently trusted executives to follow approved policies and provide the information needed to oversee the bank. That's by design. Management runs day-to-day -day operations, and the board has a fiduciary duty to oversee the institution. The consequences can be dire when directors don't get the information that they need. So a couple of things going on here. So this gentleman was apparently what's what's known as a dominant CEO. Um, I could I could do a whole episode on on leadership and and you know different traits of leaders, different leadership styles. Uh, you know you have transformational leaders and transitional leaders and servant leaders, and you know just it goes on and on. There's all different uh, leadership types. Uh, you know this guy had been in banking for a long time. He had a lot of cachet, as it were. I'm sure he had a lot of trust. He had a lot of respect of his employees. He probably ran a very good bank for a long time. It's just fascinating. I would really love to know like how he got sucked into this crypto scam and, and what exactly happened. Did he like, was he invested in like an FTX and then it went down and then he, uh, or he somehow was shorting and uh, you know, maybe he got, maybe he was involved with uh, stable coins with like Terra and other stuff that failed. And maybe, um, you know, did these losses kind of mount and build up on him somehow to the point where like he had to embezzle the money to cover the losses? And then how how was he going to try to put this money back or how is he going to try to make the bank whole after? I mean, did he did he think he could just kind of flip the money? I mean, there's just a, a ton of questions here. And again, I have to say this is this is all alleged. I mean, he's charged with these crimes. We you know, he hasn't had a trial yet. We don't know. We don't know all the circumstances here. We don't know what's going on. So. Um, you know, we'll have to wait and see how it, how it plays out. But again, I just thought this was really interesting and I wanted to add it to the crypto series because now we have five banks that failed last year and four of them were heavily involved with cryptocurrency. Uh, this very different situation from the first three banks that failed. The first three banks failed because all the crypto deposits got sucked out first. Um, this was more of a fraudulent embezzlement scheme that involved cryptocurrency or apparently some type of a crypto scam. Um, so it, and, and again, you could see why too, like if, if you, if you saw my episode, uh, last week that I did, uh, which was a crypto series part six, which I did a review of the documentary Bitcoin, 
uh, you could kind of see how someone may potentially get sucked into this. What I find, again, very interesting in this case is that, you know, this guy is a bank CEO. He had been the CEO there for a long time. I'm assuming that this gentleman was a rather sophisticated individual, meaning that, you know, he was a very smart guy who knew a lot about banking, a lot about finance and, and economics and how banks work and, um, you know, probably did his homework on crypto. And it's just so it's so the, again, the question is, like, how did he end up getting sucked into this? Like what? Like, yeah, how? Yeah, it's just it's a very puzzling thing. But again, um, just something I wanted to report on, because uh, I, I again, I think there's a lot more to potentially come out with this story. I think we'll learn a lot more in obviously probably the next, you know, six to 12 months, probably get more to this story and see exactly, you know, what happened here. But um, but again, it's just interesting to note, this is yet another bank that failed as a result of cryptocurrency. Um, our regulators are still, you know, you know, just futzying around trying to figure out what to do with cryptocurrency, how to regulate it, what to do with it. Meanwhile, we've got all these, uh, you know, Bitcoin ETFs uh, taking off right now. And, you know, BlackRock's jumping in on the ETF craze with the with the cryptocurrency and and uh, Wall Street. In certain respects, it seemed to do a 180. You've got like, you know, Coinbase and, and Binance out there that are that are, you know, in certain ways trying to clean up their act to try to, to do more there. So. Uh, so I don't know. We'll have to continue to keep an eye on this and see what happens and see how a lot of these things play out. I have some theories on why I think the regulators are taking their sweet time with with trying to bring regulations to a lot of this cryptocurrency. Um, but uh, but I'll, I will save those for another episode. I'm going to tease you with the guys at until next time. So but anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you like this episode, please make sure to like, subscribe, uh, share. That always helps the channel. Please go check out some of my other episodes, and then I will be back to see everybody again real soon. Thanks a lot.